We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the week five edition of the Pro Football Focus Show here on Roto Grinders. I am Britt Devine uh, here with PFF's Ian Harditz. You can follow him on Twitter at iHarditz. That's I H A R T I T Z. Uh, Ian, week four is behind us. We've got uh, there's a lot of moving parts in the NFL nowadays. Uh, we've got Sunday night football, Monday night football, Tuesday night football. I mean, are we going to have like a Wednesday and a Friday night football by the time it's all said and done? You got to really stay on top of things. But uh, I mean, the show moves on. NFL is going to keep going on. Hopefully these recent uh, COVID things sort of work themselves out. But uh, it it just keeps getting more interesting as the season moves on. Yeah, extreme, extremely funky here. We just got to keep rolling with the punches as usual. I mean, unfortunately, we got a few more variables to worry about. But, you know, to a different level, like these things happen every year with guys getting suspended, injured out of nowhere. So just got to try to stay ahead of the game. You know, it's an unfortunate problem, but it's, it's impacting all of us equally. So be the best man win. Yeah, if you are on any of the DFS sites, it does seem, you know, if you're playing like the Sunday main slate, right? And like the Bills games got moved and the Patriots game, you know, and things like that get moved around. They basically just take them off the slate so you don't have to worry about them. And hey, you get more showdowns. You get more like a a Monday through Tuesday slate and things like that. So it's just more DFS for us to play. We're going to generally focus on the main slate as we progress through the show here. And as always, we like to start off with the mismatch manifesto over at PFF. It is behind the paywall over there but you do get a free look at it on this pod every week and if you're watching you basically get to, to look at it as ian reads through here uh ian maybe we've got some new listeners tell them what it is and let's jump into the week five slate here 
Yeah, you can also find it on my Twitter, as you said before. I, I tweet out the actual charts every week and then break them down uh, in the article. But yeah, basically the whole idea just came from whenever we talk about matchups in football, it's, it's always, okay, this running back has a good matchup because his offense ranks third in this and he's facing a defense ranked 23rd in this. You know, by combining those stats, I found you can get these nice kind of layouts where it's a little bit easier to pick up on the mismatches uh, around the league. So first one, for example, is, uh, you know, looking at explosive pass play rate, you know, how often are teams throwing uh, completions at least 20 – gaining at least 20 yards how often our defense is allowing them and you know looking at this week you can see that uh jared goff kirk cousins russell wilson and josh allen particularly are standing out I and mean, man that vikings as uh, seahawks game i know both of these are run first offenses but this is a situation where we can feel good about still going at a run first offense because they make big plays you know and they're throwing downfield when they do throw and we actually have condensed target share with dk metcalf and tyler lockett as well as adam thielen and justin jefferson so i know some people out there are wondering if jefferson can keep it up absolutely love his chances to do so in this spot yeah it's a sunday night game if you're watching showdown or if you're playing uh, i do a lot of the thursday through monday slates i think there's a fun you know you get to play those games you don't get on the main slate and you, you know you get to include everyone else on those that game looks prime for fireworks um yeah but uh the uh, the explosive plas- explosive pass plays uh if you get a lot of those right you need those you, you, your quarterback has to score like 8,000 points and the wide receivers attached to him also have to score those points if you're going to compete in things like the millionaire makers nowadays. So you got to have those explosive pass plays. Uh, what else are we looking at over here on here? Pace is something that's always fun to watch. I know the Cowboys there on this slate, they have led in pace. I think for a variety of reasons, we're going to hash it out a little bit uh, later when we talk about quarterbacks. Um, but what do you see as far as pace? Do you think the Cowboys can keep it up? If not, where else are we looking? Yeah, and it is important to know, like this is, you know, from Football Outsiders, situation neutral pace. So they have tried to, you know, remove the occasions where Cowboys are down three scores. Of course, they're going to be running up and down the field as fast as possible. They truly are just moving, though, at a, even in these situations where, you know, they're in the games, they're still moving faster than anyone. I mean, right now, 23.6 uh, seconds per play. The Cardinals are in second place at 26.3. So, I mean, it's really a situation where it's almost three seconds faster per play than the next closest team. We've seen that result in many a shootout to start the year so yeah Cowboys Giants obviously number one but also uh, we got the Rams versus the uh, Washington football team and Cardinals uh, Jets that game ends up happening the only thing I would note here with the Washington team I know it hasn't gone well I'm not expecting you know Kyle Allen to come in and really just ball out or anything but you have seen these types of things like pace play action you know things that smart teams are doing we have seen from Washington so far hasn't worked out but you know maybe just maybe you know Kyle Allen the guy that knows the system uh, can continue to get the most out of McLaurin and Gibson at a minimum the uh, objectively one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year knows the sim the system uh Kyle Allen we'll talk about him maybe a little bit he's 4100 on DraftKings uh and I told you pre-show normally we would be just drooling at a $4,100 quarterback if this was 2019 DFS uh, I don't really think a lot of people are going to be using Kyle Allen this week because you have to have those monster scores at the position now and yeah. I just don't know if he has the upside so we'll try to we'll see what happens with him uh, pressure is something that's always good. What, what do you got here? Offensive, defensive line, this type of stuff, you know, really works well for defenses. And then if you can try to pick that out on the offensive side, allowing pressure, maybe you want to stay away from those quarterbacks. 
Yeah, three quarterbacks we're seeing pop out that could be in particular trouble. Carson Wentz uh, against the Steelers defense. They're pressuring opposing QBs on 50% uh, of their dropbacks. No one else is even at 40. We know that Eagles uh, offensive line is looking like Swiss cheese at the moment. Man, I hope Wentz can stay healthy because right now he is just playing so recklessly, uh, not looking great for him. But uh, Broncos, if Drew Locke's under center, he's going to be under a lot of pressure. I know the Patriots you know, don't have Gilmore, but still not a matchup. I think we should be looking to target. And then Justin Herbert going to the Saints. Guys balling out. At some point, we're going to see a rookie floor. If the Saints starting corners remain out, uh, might not be this week, but just something to keep an eye on. And then on the other side, though, quarterbacks that should have all day to throw, uh, the four guys we're really seeing stick out, uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Matt Ryan. I think uh, this is a game we shoot might be out. targeting the over. Exactly, shootout, man. And then uh, Phillip Rivers against the Browns. Probably won't have enough pass game volume to make the most out of it, but uh, definitely a situation to monitor, particularly that Carolina Panthers offense that I think all things considered, you know, with all the continuity they just didn't have going this year really across the entire offense they've really i think outperformed september expectations yeah and uh you know we've seen hey is, is C- taking cmc and a bunch of three yard dump offs make them a better team when they're throwing the ball downfield to dj Moore and robbie anderson maybe it does maybe yeah. it, it, i mean cmc is objectively a really good football player but by removing him and passing the ball downfield a little bit more i, I don't know if there's anything to it but i don't know maybe there is out there some some interesting stuff going out there on twitter uh, running backs, offensive lines, defensive lines in the trenches there, uh, yards before contact. What do we see there this week? Any, any big edges we can gain? Yeah, I like to look at yours before contact just because, you know, as we like to say, running backs don't matter. So let's try to find the situations where, uh, you know, the offensive line should be enabling, ho- hopefully, any running back uh, to success. And we will need that this week in the top run game mismatch. That's the Cardinals against the Jets. Cardinals are continuing to be great in yards before contact. And we see this uh, year after year where the top teams are these squads that have a dual threat quarterback, you know, just forcing the defensive ends to hesitate that much longer, you know, can really provide uh, some bigger uh, rushing lanes. So going back to well, Kenyon Drake for another week. I mean, okay, not a top 12 uh, player these days, but still think he should be in lineups. And after getting toasted, uh, you know, in that smash spot last week against the Panthers, an uh, interesting post-hype spot for Drake here. I uh, would also note the 49ers backfield. We'll see how Raheem Mostert, but if Mostert's out, man, Jared McKinnon, every down running back right now in a great matchup against the Dolphins. I think he is cash game viable if uh, we do see uh, Mostert remain out. And then also uh, Josh Jacobs against the Chiefs. Chiefs have allowed a league high 2.6 yards before contact per rush. I don't like calling, you know, run defenses particularly bad because we have these teams like the Chiefs that they almost just invite you to run the ball Mm because they know that that's in their best interest. Damian Harris is busting off big runs. You know know they're doing it on purpose. Exactly, man. But in this case, kind of like Damian, like Josh Jacobs, he's game script dependent to an extent, but He's going to get his 15-plus carries regardless of what happens. And in this matchup, I think he could really make the most of them. Uh, I do want to note, you mentioned Kenyon Drake. If you guys are living under a rock, the Jets this morning have a player. uh, They've received a positive test. They're confirming that. All right, it's like Friday afternoon when we're recording this. They're trying to decide, hey, was that a real positive? Was it a false positive? That game could be moved off the slate. So just know, don't just go locking in Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake, and those guys into your lineups right now. That's stolen flux. That could be another Tuesday night. It could be a Wednesday night game. So just understand that that's a fluid situation. Uh, anything else in mismatch manifesto that really stands out to you this week? Yeah, you know, we've been having a lot of success uh, with the uh, EPA portion. You know, I, I take the EPA per play of the offense, add it to the defense. And when we've gotten two matchups where each uh, offense is a positive number, meaning we're, you know, they're in a good position, the overs have gone 16, 5, and 1 uh, through these weeks. Now we've seen the overs, you know, take a step up. And I think the uh, opening totals, 
you know, make sure the line you're looking at now isn't too far removed from uh, the opening line and everything. But it does make sense that we want to target these games where we have offenses set up well on both sidelines. And this week, the qualifiers are uh, Bills, Titans, Raiders, Chiefs, Jaguars, Texans, Panthers, Falcons, Vikings, Seahawks, and Chargers, Saints. You know, I mean, it's, it's if you just blindly bend these overs based on this trend, you've been doing pretty good so far. That has been my strategy to this point. I'd look a little closer, you know, some of the injuries here and Jaguars, Texans really does uh, have a slow pace, so a little bit concerning. But, you know, honestly, with all these matchups this week, I do feel pretty good about it because we have, you know, at a minimum above average offenses on both sidelines. All right. Hey. When we get to the betting second, why don't why don't we just switch to all these overs? I think maybe, maybe that, I mean we're doing good over there. The Cowboys killed you a little bit last week, but uh, I mean, if if it's hitting this well, maybe we should really start looking at this sort of thing. Um, so that does it for the mismatch manifesto again. If you have the PFF Ev subscription over there, you will be able to read that later in the show. We will go over the helicopter targets article that is free for all over on PFF. You can go peep it out now. Uh, we're going to talk about it later and get some reasoning behind those now. Uh, and real quick, uh, we're you know over Roto Grinders, uh, we have Roto Grinders Premium. It's great. You get lineup HQ, you get Gridiron IQ, you get access to all the articles for all the sports. Uh, and if you watch this show and you want access to it, you know later we'll talk about ownership and things like that. And I'll show you some Gridiron IQ. If you want access to all that stuff, uh, you can get a five dollar discount on your first month subscription if you are a new subscriber to Roto Grinders Premium. It is RotoGrinders.com/media/pff. Uh, and you will get $5 off your first month over here at Roto Grinders. Uh, all right, let's jump into bets. Uh, my record this year, I'm six and three, right? So I'm doing all right, staying above the uh, the trend line there to break even. Uh, one I got this week, I got this at plus two and a half. It's now plus one. So what, what do they call that? Closing line value? I don't know, CLV, whatever the cool <laughs> kids call it out there. And this is the Browns because, uh, Ian, I just, I don't think the Colts are good. I think they're they're sort of like the Bears. They're a little fraudulent. You look at who they played. They lost to the Jaguars. Yeah. They beat the Jets, the Vikings, and the, the Bears are very fraudulent as well. They won because Tampa Bay is just decimated by injuries, and BDN, he came out and had some late-game heroics. <laughs> basically, that's what happened there. But I, I don't think the Colts are very good. I think the Browns are basically better across the board at every skill position on offense, maybe even the offensive line. You know, the, the Browns' offensive line isn't any joke. I think their defense is pretty good. Um, I think they're basically, even if not the Browns being a little bit better. So I got this Monday. I saw it. Uh, I drove the 10 minutes to the sports book, but I think it's still bettable at plus one. Uh, I got the Browns as my one bet. Uh, my main one, I'm going to talk a couple of parlays. You can go on here. Uh, what are you looking at this week? Yeah, uh, I got a couple underdogs I like, you know, in addition to those overs we mentioned before. But Panthers at plus one and a half. You know, we've seen these games over the past two weeks where I think if we look a little closer than maybe we did, we could, uh, you know, ask just why exactly is this other team favored? And to me, that was Browns-Cowboys last week, which, again, unfortunately, blew up my own money line parlay back in the Cowboys. So that's on me, everyone. But then before that, Lions-Cardinals, where, you know, you have a team in the Panthers that, okay, they haven't blown the door off from anyone. But the Falcons have looked legitimately bad for stretches. The Panthers seem to be – ascending which we know we mentioned before but teddy this makes sense you know we would expect them to get more comfortable in this offense moving forward the defense hasn't looked uh, all that bad and honestly in this matchup they might very well be the better defense considering all the injuries that the falcons have going on in the secondary so i just think the panthers are better and the fact we're getting a point and a half uh give me that all day and this is my second bat i like the jaguars at plus five and a half we're giving the texans right now like almost a <laughs> touchdown favorites like why same thing with the falcons so uh, i do think they'll bounce 
bounce back to some extent. I'm not, you know, taking the Jaguars money line. If I, you know, had a gun to my head, I would say the Texans are going to win this. But, you know, looking at some of these uh, metrics in my mismatch manifesto, like Jaguars are have twice the projected offensive, you know, EPA efficiency as the Texans. They've been good this year on offense. James Robinson and Gardner Minshew. Minshew had the one dud on Thursday night football that people remember. But I really think Chark being out affected that. I mean, when you have a team that's, you know, not super high on overall talent, losing an alpha number one like Chark uh, could, you know, seemingly make that uh, become a disastrous situation. So, again, I think it's two teams that the Jaguars have probably been better this year, and I think six points is just far too high. All right, a couple others. Uh, Arizona minus seven if it goes. I think that's – I mean, the Jets are literally the stone worst team. The only way they have any offense is Sam Darnold. Uh, he's been slinging it around a little bit. He's out for Joe Flacco. Uh, so if that game goes, I think I got that at six and a half earlier on Monday. Uh, I still like it at seven. I got the Chiefs. I normally don't take these giant favorites, but 11 and a half against the, the Raiders. That seems, uh, I don't know, I think the Chiefs probably just absolutely blow them out. And the Chiefs defense is just, they're so good against the pass that once they get up a touchdown or two, it's lights out for anybody going up against them. And then uh, I think you could do the the big favorites. You got, you just missed out on, it was like a, a plus, almost a 500 parlay taking all the favorites. Dallas just clipped you last week. Uh, I think you can add the Chiefs, Ravens, Seattle, basically to almost any bet you make. Uh, it adds, uh, if you just do that on its own, uh, I just looked it up in the DK Sportsbook. It was a minus 130 for those. That's just like free money. I don't see how the Chiefs lose. Uh, I don't see how the Ravens lose, uh, although I do like uh, the Bengals. I think they're at like plus 12 and a half or something like that. I just don't see how the Ravens lose that game. Seattle's just too good at home against Minnesota, and I think Minnesota's pretty horrible. That's just a, a very easy W for Seattle, in my opinion. So uh, if you're playing a money line uh, parlay, I like that one. It's minus 130. Um, anything else for the bets, or you want to jump into the – the week five yeah, I think we're good. I, I'm with you. The, the Vikings concern me a little bit, but I, I think I'm still, you know, thinking about them as having a good they just, defense. They and that is just not the case in 2020. They, they don't pass enough. They pass deep yeah. when they do, which that can get there. But I think that's a little unsustainable coming from Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Give me Russell Wilson throwing deep at home. Give me that. That just sounds like a very easy victory. No, I'm with you. And again, if the Vikings defense is getting healthier, I'd feel better about it. But no, yeah, I, I think I, at a minimum with the money line, yes, definitely the Seahawks. All right. Let's jump into the week five slate and it's getting a little interesting we'll start at quarterback and currently on our roto grinders projected ownership we have Dak Prescott basically leading the way by almost double over the next quarterback at projected ownership and I don't know I think the weeks to really use Dak looking in hindsight were probably the last two or three right so let's go over what's happened with Dak Prescott over the past let's say three weeks and see why he's had these absolutely, uh, you know, great performances. So week two, three rushing touchdowns from a quarterback. Call me crazy, Ian. <laughs> Don't see that happening for any quarterback the rest of the year. That one is a little unsustainable. I look back at the last two weeks, right? And Dak's throwing all over the field. Why is that happening? Well, Dallas, they're leading the league in turnovers per game. Is, is that going to continue? The, the, all the fumbles that they're having? Probably not. Uh, Dak has 57 and 58 pass attempts over the past two weeks because they fumble, they get behind, they play fast, and then they have to just throw the rest of the entire game. I think that's, I know they're playing fast, right? We talk about that, but I think what's leading to all of that in general is slightly unsustainable as well, right? Them turning the ball over and these 58, 57 pass attempts that Dak has had. I see this as an easy W for Dallas, barring those fumbles and things like that this week. So I'm, 
I'm moving off Dak a little bit. I think the weeks to use Dak are behind. If people are going to chase it, I think I'm personally going to move off it a little bit this week. I'm looking to pay a little bit for Lamar Jackson. We saw Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, my knee. You know, we're being cautious with him. It's all a lie. He's out there today. He's like, I'm good. He's going to run all over the Bengals. The Bengals are allowing the fourth most rushing yards in the league. Bengals pass defense isn't horrible. They've got some actual reasonable grades on PFF and the team thing. But I just think he's so good. Eventually, he's going to connect. You know, he's missing Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews all over the place for big plays week after week. He's still getting a couple of them. But, like, these big games are just going to be – like, if you don't have Lamar, you're not going to win that week. I think this week could be one of them. I'm paying a little bit more for Lamar. I think his production is much more sustainable than what we're seeing from Dak right now. I like Dak. I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's had a great couple of games. I'm paying more for Lamar this week. So he's someone I like in cash. Uh, you've got someone, uh, if you need to save a couple of bucks, uh, it, it's just really hard. I mean, we did we did see Teddy. He broke out the legs a little bit last week. So you got you got to have this rushing aspect with your quarterback. Now. Yeah, I'm down to pay up for Lamar, as you're saying. And also, you know, even though you are paying up for Lamar, because Hollywood and, you know, Mark Andrews, if you just lump them in as like wide receivers compared to everyone else, you don't have to pay as much there. So, you know, actually the Lamar Andrews Hollywood stack ends up being similarly priced, you know, if you tried to go down to Dak Cooper, uh, Gallup. Dallas, you got to waste a lot of stacks too, playing Gallup and Schultz and Lamb. It's it's at least condensed. Yeah, it's condensed with the Ravens. So, no, I'm I'm with you there. But yeah, if you want to go down to uh, the Panthers, I think it's a situation where you can go Teddy, Mike Davis, and then one of Robbie or DJ and be feeling pretty good about yourself. I mean, look, this Falcons defense, again, already not a situation to worry about, but you look at just the amount of safeties they have on IR now, and it's just getting out of control. Cornerback room isn't very healthy either. And again, even when they're healthy, uh, not a situation you've been concerning with. And you said it about that Teddy mobility, man. He has never, okay, before the knee injury, he can move around a little bit, but that touchdown run was not just, you know, some no one even around there. He made a good two or three guys miss on his way at the end zone. So he's looking healthy as ever. He's averaging career high marks and most passing efficiency metrics, despite, you know, being only four weeks uh, into this year and kind of lost in the whole DJ Moore versus Robbie Anderson thing is the reality that it's just those two guys at the top of the offense. I mean, the problem was McCaffrey or their running back, just, you know, superseding both of the guys and being the overall number one. You know, I mentioned before those kind of condensed targets, target shares with uh, the Vikings. It's the Chargers, the Vikings and the Panthers uh, in terms of having the most condensed top two guys at the top of the target share. So I'm fine going with Teddy and this pristine matchup. And then for a GPP, you know, hurts me to say this, not my uh, favorite guy out there in the world, but Derek Carr, uh, someone I've, you know, mocked a lot in the old Twitter sphere over the years, but he's playing some good ball so far, man. Don't look now, but I understand like he's not throwing down field still, but he's throwing for 250 plus yards and multiple scores in three consecutive weeks. We've seen him pop off against the chiefs in the, in the past. I know that this is a, you know, an improving uh, pass defense, as you said, but, they're getting Henry Ruggs back seemingly. I know Carr probably isn't going to be stretching the field with him, but just having that speed guy out there forces the defense to respect it. The fact that he is cheaper than Sam Darnold and being priced where he is right now is just too much. You know, I'm not going to be loading up on Carr and GPPs. I do question kind of the overall ceiling, but I just think his price points are good $500 too cheap. Yeah, just ultra efficient, right? 72 0.7 is his lowest completion percentage on the season, right? Yeah. So all the little ding and dunks that Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, you get rugs coming back and might open up those under, you know, underneath passes exactly. to Waller a little bit more, or God forbid, if they use rugs on a couple of those crossing routes, <laughs> 
he can take him to the house here too. So I like that. And it pairs, you can pair him with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? You can use him with Hill or Kelsey if the game gets into a shootout on a run back. Uh, I don't hate that. The one thing I want to talk about though, the only thing going against you, Ian, is is you just you have no shot with your Derek Carr because he's not running for like 40 yards or, you know, he doesn't have that rushing touchdown ability. Maybe he does, but I guess I just want to spend a couple minutes on what's going on in the DFS landscape. And I talked about it in my week three millionaire maker article. Um, it's staying prevalent. I expect it to probably continue. I'll have another article out on Monday or Tuesday recap in the first five weeks of Roto Grinders, but you just, you have to have the quarterback, with the like the quarterbacks before you could get by with 22 or 24 fantasy points you know and he targeted one guy 10 times and that guy caught a touchdown and he had 100 yards and that was a good way to start a stack it's just it's not cutting it in 2020 the the penalties are lower there's more points being scored the good quarterbacks are getting the big scores that are high owned and if you don't have those guys that run that have the access to the 40 plus fantasy points, you know, Dak and Lamar and Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. If you don't have that type of elite quarterback, right? Like Ryan Fitzpatrick, he had 24 fantasy points. Devonte Parker got there last week and it did nothing for you because Dak Prescott's out there with 45 fantasy points and all those other, and Odell has like 40 and Joe Mixon has 40. If you don't have that at basically every position and that's moved to quarterback, you're dead in the water. So it's really hard for me to find these low owned GPP quarterbacks anymore because they just suck. They're not going to get there and they're not going to win you these big tournaments. I think Carr is probably one that might, right? I think you could see the game script for it. So I like that call. I'm looking at Minshew this week. You had the Jags at plus 5.5. I, I don't think the Texans are any good. I don't think Bill O'Brien's Romeo. What has Romeo Cornell ever done, right? What have you, like, I don't think it, the Texans, are they going to rise up and play for them or anything like that? Maybe. Um, but the grades on PFF just look really bad. Uh, 28th and pass rush as a team, 27th and coverage. Minshew, he hasn't really shown it this year, but last year, right? He showed the rushing upside that he has. It's one of the reasons he was really good in fantasy. He was able to get 30 or 40 yards pretty consistently. If he gets the rushing uh, touchdown, he's got his alpha receiver, DJ Shark. He reemerged last week as the true uh, number one target there. And if you like a Will Fuller or you played Deshaun Watson or maybe David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, I don't know what people were doing last week over there. That was a pass for me. I, you know, I liked Renfro instead. But there's ways if that game shoots out. I think uh, Minshew has the ability as a lower-owned quarterback. The problem is he's 6,200 on DraftKings and your car is 5,300. You know, I wish Minshew was a little cheaper, but that's where I'm looking at in tournaments. It's just, it's just really hard in the current state of the NFL to try to find, you know, like Phillip rivers is not going to win a tournament this year, right? Never. As good as Ben Roethlisberger is the statue quarterbacks that just don't run. I just, th I think you're just dead in most weeks yeah. if you try to use them in tournaments. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And then especially when you consider that, you know, ownership at the QB position is always flatter than we see, you know, elsewhere. So paying up for these guys like Dak and Russ and whoever it might be on a per week basis uh, it has been making sense so far. All right, let's move to running back. And one of the interesting things is running backs, the, the high on running backs, are, you're basically missing on them every single week. They're not really coming through like they used to. Surprise when you had Christian McCaffrey, even though he was 10,000, he was getting 35 every week and everyone was playing them, right? 
it worked out great. It's not really working out this year. Uh, I do like going back to Zeke this week. Again, I'm off Dak because I think this is the Zeke game for your cash teams. Uh, the O-line's hurting, but it's hard to argue against his workload. He's got at least 20 opportunities in each game, 25-plus opportunities. That's rushes plus targets is what I consider an opportunity in three of his four games. Dallas, there's still six in the NFL in success rushing rate uh, per gridiron IQ. I, I don't know. I don't think Dallas fumbles like 40 times again in this game or anything like that. I don't think uh, the, the Giants offense gets out to a 21 to nothing lead or anything like that. I think this is Zeke. I think it's like 25 carries. I think it's five or six targets. I think it's two touchdowns. This is Zeke, and he's, he's 7,800 on DraftKings. He should be like 9,200 in my opinion. Uh, I'm playing Zeke and Cash. Yeah, he definitely seems like he's still priced a little bit too low. I'm going to go down a little bit to uh, Mike Davis. If Raheem Moster is out, I would be fine going McKinnon over Mike Davis. Here, hey, I like Davis. You can play all three in my opinion. It, there we go, that. man. Like, why not? Let's get them all in there. But, yeah, I mean, just looking at what Davis has done last last two weeks, he truly is pretty much playing the Christian McCaffrey role. Right now, only Kamara and who you just mentioned, Ezekiel Elliott, have more targets on the entire season. That's even with Davis doing nothing uh, in week one. So, last week we saw Reggie Bonifer come in and take a quarter of the snaps in a game that the Panthers were surprisingly blown out. Well, that's really was an issue to begin with. Now Bonifon's on IR as it is. Like they've already pretty much given up on the Curtis Samuel, uh, you know, getting some actual backfield just snap Trenton Cannon is the number two running back this week. We, we are seriously <laughs> looking at like 98, 99% snaps from Mike Davis. You know, I already talked about this Falcons matchup. The Falcons year after year after year uh, give up the most receptions uh, in the league to running backs. It's part of their defense. And I mean, who can blame them? They want to allow short completion in front of them not you know deep balls over their head regardless of the schematic you know principles involved I mean this is a defense that just again is continuously killed by these sort of receiving running backs and shout out to Davis for looking pretty good I mean he's racked up 18 force missed tackles that's tied for the fifth highest mark in the league so I think the guy is not just some you know mediocre journeyman back he's actually solid and he's getting all the workload we could ask for in a prime matchup I'm finding in the chalk with Mike Davis and GPPs uh, I wouldn't put this with the Derek Carr lineups necessarily but I just like this matchup with the Chiefs and Raiders because I think there's just gonna be points uh, flying all over the place just we need to figure out where it's going to be but don't be afraid to go with Josh Jacobs. I mentioned this before in the mismatch manifesto section, but uh, Chiefs league high 2.6 yards before uh, contact allowed. And Josh Jacobs' usage so far has actually been pretty good this year. He only played uh, over 60% of the offensive snaps in four of 13 games last year. He's managed to clear that in all four weeks uh, to start this year. Jalen Richard's a little bit banged up. He's not getting, you know, six, eight targets per game. And it's annoying because we see him out there make good use of the targets he does get. But even the fact that we are getting three, four, targets per game that's much better than we saw last season Jacobs is going to get his 15 carries so we're looking at one of the league's more talented backs at just 6300 with pretty low ownership so you know wouldn't be surprised at all if he can turn these 20 opportunities into 100 plus yards and a touchdown yeah and you needed last week you needed Joe if you didn't have Joe Mixon no cash in tournaments for you I mean there were ways to get there but you weren't sniffing anywhere near the top so like running, but it's, it's really different this year. The, the high owned wide receivers are performing really well because the high owned quarterbacks are performing really well. And now the high owned running backs are basically letting us down every week. So I like, I like the Josh Jacobs call. I'm going to take a little wind out of your sails for a little later segment uh, for my tournament play, but I'm looking at Antonio Gibson. He is turning into, I wish they would just give him a little more leash. I think as the season progresses, you'll get it. I don't know if it's this week with the new quarterback change, but he saw 18 opportunities last week. 
He's got Kyle Allen, who loved to check down last year, right? It was DJ Moore. It was CMC last year, just getting all these targets. Antonio Gibson has the possibility to replicate that. And if you look at it, you know, they're facing the Rams, right? The Rams, they got Jalen Ramsey on the outside. Their pass defense, halfway decent. They're allowing the number one highest success rate in the NFL uh, per gridiron IQ against the run. If you look at GIQ, uh, it's a lot of green. And what I like to see is when I look at gridiron IQ and then I go to PFF, right? I, you know, it's like my backup uh, 30th and team rush D grade are the Rams. So they can be had against the run. Antonio Gibson's pretty good. You give them what 14 rushes, you give them six targets. If he finds the end zone, uh, I think there's a good chance he ends up on like a, you know, he can be a GPP winning play. Sorry, sorry to steal one of your plays from a later signal. <laughs> You're good. No, I back up everything with that. And the fact that, you know, David Johnson's sitting there at 5,200 and seemingly taking most of the ownership, uh, even helping batters even more for uh, Antonio Gibson. All right, let's go to wide receiver. I'll start real quick for what I think is going to be the pretty chalky cash game play of the week, right? So if you're not a Roto-Grinders premium member and you don't have access to the projected ownership and you don't subscribe to the Blitz and he's not telling you he's the best play, I can just tell you here. Um, it's a little interesting because I don't like these boom-bust receivers too much in my cash games, but price matters, right? If I'm playing Lamar and I'm playing Zeke and I'm playing Mike Davis, right? And I'm playing all these guys, I'm probably going to have to save some money at wide receiver. I'm looking at Darius Slayton because... Well, I don't think Dak is going to have to score a ton like he has the past couple of weeks. I do think the Giants are just going to fall behind in this game pretty quickly. So Slayton, uh, if you look at Gridiron IQ, it's all green for the Dallas pass defense. Uh, and the thing about Slayton, he's got at least 29% of the air yards, right? We love air yards uh, in every week, and he's gotten two weeks of 44-plus percent of the air yards. And we saw this, right, last year, whenever one of Tate, Shepard, or Ingram was out, Slayton was the dude. He's basically turning into the alpha in this offense. Uh, I like him quite a bit. Um, and the, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Dallas 30th in pass coverage at PFF as a team grade. Uh, I, I think that's pretty looking, looking pretty good for Mr. Darius Slayton. They've allowed the second highest success rate to wide receiver pass attempts. So when teams throw to the wide receiver, Dallas is allowing those to be successful plays, you know, based on down and distance and things like that. The one problem in uh, the Giants just suck. So we've got a bad offensive coordinator. We got a bad coach. I'm not sure Danny Dimes is really good, right? He had a couple of spike weeks last year. That's been missing. But right, you lose Saquon, you play the Steelers, you play the Bears, you play the Niners, you play the Rams. Maybe this is the bounce back week for the Giants. I think people will be on this game. I think Slayton's really going to be Slayton might be the highest owned wide receiver when it's all said and done. Yeah, and you know, I would say with that, don't be afraid to go a little, little bit lower to Golden Tate uh, in mm -hmm. some GPP. I, I don't know if I can get behind trusting him in cash, but under 5K, man, you got to save some uh, pre, uh, salary somewhere. That's certainly a good spot. I was looking at the it. Blitz. It likes it likes Tate and Slayton, right? The Those mid-tier, cheap, sub-5K receivers. Yeah. If you want to jam in the other good plays, right? That's what it takes this week. So I can, I can get behind Tate as well. Yeah, uh, for, for my cash guys, you know, if, if you have the salary and want to pay up for Amari Cooper, I think it's fine. I know he's been this boomer bust guy in the past, but on pace for 204 targets. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Last year, he was at 119 and Gallup was at 113. It was that's why we, you know, we're looking at Gallup and CeeDee Lamb so much going this year. It was like, okay, it could be, you know, a number one receiver by the week type situation. No, you know, with McCarthy there, he has really uh, focused in on Cooper as, you know, his Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams as that, you know, just focal point, undisputed number one uh, target hog. And I think as good as James Bradbury has been playing this year, uh, he's not someone that consistently moves into his 
slot. And I think he's a little bit better against uh, more physically minded receivers, not, you know, pristine route runners like Cooper. Uh, and then, yeah, I've been talking about the Panthers uh, throughout this. This, this is going to be a lot of points in this game and going after DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson makes a lot of sense. You're not having to spend more than 6k on either guy. And people were kind of burned out about expecting that big game from DJ Moore last week. Didn't come through, but you know, you're talking air yards. DJ Moore right now is one of just 11 receivers with at least 400 air yards through four weeks. We all kind of assume Robbie would be the one coming into Carolina and getting the downfield opportunities. That's actually been DJ Moore this year. We see Robbie with a career low average target depth through four weeks, and he's making plays with it. Like just because Robbie is playing well this year doesn't mean DJ isn't going to pick up steam as well. Again, this is a, you know, extending Panthers passing game. I think we're going to see more than one guy uh, emerge at some point. That other guy will be DJ and GPPs. Marquise Brown, man. I mean, I put together a, a Twitter clip like yesterday of just literally five different occasions this year where if Lamar just put that ball in a little bit better spot, we'd be having a, a, a lot different conversation about Hollywood Brown and what he's been able to bring to the table, consistently getting behind the defense. And as you said earlier, I mean, the Bengals secondary isn't awful necessarily, but I do think uh, Hollywood, you know, when him and Lamar are on, they, he can fly past any secondary. It's a matter of, you know, when, not if this breakout game is coming. And I definitely want to be ahead of the curve uh, when it does finally hit, when it does finally hit. Yeah, those Lamar to Marquise Brown, th those weren't as bad as Foles to Mooney last night. Not quite. You know, <laughs> they're they're a little bit closer. It's right there, so I, I can get behind Marquise Brown. I want to I want to go circle back to Carolina for you. I'm gonna ask you point blank. You got to take Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore. Moore is a hundred dollars more on DraftKings this week. Which one are you more likely to use? Which one just, oh man, I want both. I would probably have to say Robbie deserves the higher projection at this point. It's it's safer. Again, he is not getting these same sort of, it's the same thing that's happened to Michael Gallup and why his production is inconsistent. DJ Moore, it's more of a boomer bust guy this year, unfortunately, but the booms are going to come at some point. But yeah, if it's either or, it's Robbie. Crazy man, 2020. I think I'd take Robbie too. We're at the point, right? We're four weeks into the season. You start have to factor in what's happening, target share and stuff like that. And it, it looks like Robbie Anderson is last year's DJ Moore and DJ Moore is DJ Moore and Curtis Samuels, nothing. And they started playing a lot of 12, you know, two tight ends last week too, which is just, you know, Curtis Samuels sort of phasing out and it's becoming Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. I think I'd take Robbie too, but it's very close in my opinion. Um, all right, let's move to tight end. And I guess I just want to talk a little bit about the, like the, how many giants, right? We know they're going up against the Cowboys and the Cowboys play fast and the defense is bad, but how many giants players can you put into one lineup? Cause Ingram that we, we like cheap tight ends for cash games. And after you get past Ingram on DraftKings, I think he's like 42 or 4,400, something like that. It just, it looks pretty bleak out there. Maybe you can play like a Drew Sample, a Jordan Akins, a Logan, Logan Thomas revival, and maybe a couple of those targets find his way. But Ingram looks to be where the projections are telling people to play. And that does, you know, push a lot of ownership and things like that. But I mean, He's been objectively pretty bad. There's 64 graded tight ends. He's 59th at PFF this year. Uh, ADOT, right? Last year, uh, I think it was over six, approaching seven. It's 4.6. It's all this little dink and dunk garbage crap that he's getting. He's getting targets, but the, they're bad quality targets. You know, from, you know, Daniel Jones, who I don't know if he's great. The offensive line's horrible. So some of these targets are, they're not even on target for being short. He's just cheap. And he's going up against the Cowboys. I'm debating it right now because this week we have, we haven't had George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller. They're all on the slate. They're all a little expensive, right? But these are legitimate 
really good players that I, I don't see them really failing all too often this week. So I know you like Kittle. Ingram's the cheap play. W- what are we really doing here at tight end? This is the, this is the one spot I- I'm just a little befuddled on, on Friday afternoon. Yeah, if you can get up to Kittle, I mean, the way they were using him last week, you know, it's sometimes we see them actually use Kittle more as a pass blocker. He's such a great all around player, but no, they know right now that they need, you know, someone to juice up that passing game. And oh my goodness, like I, I was just happy to see Kittle back out there. I wasn't really even expecting them to see him look, you know, 110% and just making the most out of every single target like he did. This dude is truly one of the best football players in the game. And I'm with you. If you can spend up and get him this week, go ahead and do it. But that said, I mean, again, these top four tight ends are all in a position to smash for some reason it looks like mark andrews is kind of the odd man out of the group i'm projecting ownership so i know he popped up on the injury report yesterday let's make sure he doesn't have a a designation going to the game but i don't hate andrews uh, and gpps at all Uh, i would say the only cheap option potentially in cash is ian thomas if Chris Manhurts get ruled out, gets ruled out because Thomas came in this year a little bit banged up. He was in the past when Greg Olson has missed time. Thomas has almost provided you know consistent tight end one production with a full time role, but he's actually been working behind uh, Chris Manhurts. So if the ankle injury keeps keeps Manhurts out, I'm fine firing up Ian Thomas at just 3,400. Otherwise, yeah, I think I'm going to be trying to pay up uh, for GPPs. Man, at the beginning of this week, I thought Eric Ebron would be getting more chalky, but he's actually still kind of staying under the radar a little bit. The week one game did not go well. He was splitting snaps with Vance McDonald, and you know we didn't see anything out of him. But since then, he's been over 70% snaps, and they're kind of featuring him in the red zone. Nice touchdown uh, two weeks ago where they had just lined up out wide, and Rossberg was able to put it on him, made a nice play, and contested coverage. So facing an Eagles defense that Logan Thomas, George Kittle, Tyler Higby, everyone is just balling out against this Eagles defense ever since they lost uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Jenkins uh, to the Saints. So going back to the well with someone like Eric Ebron that I know, you know, everyone just wants to use that gif of the little girl letting the ball hit her and then ball <laughs> the ground. Like I get it. We've seen some uh, bad years in the past from Ebron, but you know, let's not forget the last time you played with a legit quarterback was 2018 with Andrew Luck and the guy scored what 15 touchdowns uh, that year. So not saying he's going to get there this year at Rossburg, but in a good matchup in a week where again, we don't have many uh, low price tight ends. Like I'll gladly pay up an extra three or $500 off of Thomas or sample to get the Ebron. Uh, I'm looking maybe in a tournament. I did mention uh, Jordan Eakins, he's 3,300. If he gets cleared from the concussion protocol, he's basically emerging as the tight end one in Houston. I mean, Brandon Cooks isn't really doing anything. Kenny Stills isn't doing anything. Randall Cobb isn't doing anything. It's Will Fuller. Um, maybe Aikens can can get his way there at 3,200. He's sort of my, like, uh, you know, if he suits up, I think he's probably going to uh, with the concussion issues. Uh, he's about it. But, I mean, tight, tight end's pretty ugly, especially when you consider – it's hard for me to see with Kelsey Andrews Waller Ertz is going to get a bajillion targets and you've got, you know, um, Dalton Schultz and we've got Evan Ingram. One of those guys is just going to have like a monster game and you can win with a zero at tight end because a lot of times these star players aren't on the slate, but when they're all on the slate, you probably need to have one of them. So it's just a little bit of a construction theory for tournaments um, I don't know. I might go pretty overweight on the stud tight ends and make a couple of sacrifices. Maybe I don't play Zeke in a couple of lineups and play a little cheaper running back or something like that. But just something to think about from the couple, two, three years I've looked at in the millionaire maker. Um, when all the studs are in the play, you generally want to sort of tend your lineups towards them because the likelihood of one of them posting the big score is, is generally very high. Um, 
All right, let's see here. What do we got? A couple defenses. Uh, I played. Uh, I did the Thursday night stuff. I played the Bucks last night. It was sort of working out, but I mean, they got a couple of points. Whatever. Defense doesn't really matter. Only like there's not a must-have defense of the week. I think in they're all expensive, and salary is right. Like if you're paying up, salary does. You know, you can't just jam in the Rams and the you know the Patriots aren't going to be on the slate, right? And things like that. You can't jam in these defenses because they're just so expensive and really prohibitive to getting the star players to getting Lamar Jackson and to getting Zeke and to getting Mike Davis and Amari Cooper. You just can't have all those good things with a good defense. So where are we really looking at there this week? If you really want to spend down, which as you're saying, I think you might have to, I think the Carolina Panthers are 2,400, not trying to bring them up in every single segment of the show, but you know, with this Falcons offense, Julio is probably not going to be out there. Ridley's banged up and just that performance they put on against the Packers truly was atrocious. I'm sure going back home against a lesser defense that they'll put on slightly better, but at just 2,400, it's one of these situations where you look at the rest of the, uh, uh, you know, defenses we're talking about in this under 3k range. And I think you can uh, feel somewhat okay about the Panthers chances at making some plays but if you want to pay up for the Steelers and can somehow get there man who because not only is Carson Wentz being pressured at such a high rate and the Steelers doing that but Wentz has a league high 14 turnover worthy plays this season nobody else even over eight so I mean again this guy is playing reckless as all hell and the Steelers are the type of defense that can make him pay in a major way yeah I like Steelers Ravens Rams if you can pay up I do think uh, the Chiefs will be reasonably popular. I think it's a little trappy. Derek Carr, he just he doesn't throw interceptions because he's just getting the ball out of his hands. So maybe that's a little trappy. If they have to force him to throw downfield, maybe it can get there. But the Chiefs would be the one. If they do end up being one of the more popular ones, uh, I would sort of maybe try to spend up to the, the Ravens, Steelers, or 49ers. The teams they're going up against will pass and will turn over the ball uh, pretty easily, in my opinion. If you're trying to save a couple of bucks, it's ugly. I don't know. I guess, I guess the Panthers, I, there's just not really any, maybe Houston is probably going to be the popular one against Jacksonville. I was looking uh, at that one too. I think Houston could. Yeah. 2,600. They're going to be popular. Maybe they can turn it around. Um, but you know, if you can spend up, I think that does make a lot of sense. It's just very tough. And I think the Texans will probably be the one everybody goes to. Uh, all right, guys, don't forget uh, if you want to get $5 off your Roto-Grinders premium and you've never subscribed before, uh, you know, you've heard me reference Gridiron IQ and projected ownership. Uh, you can get $5 off rotogrinders.com slash media slash PFF. That's PFF for Pro Football Focus. We'll get you $5 off your first month here at Rotogrinders. All right, this is the time of the show. The people, Ian, they want to know. You've got your helicopter plays. It is free on PFF. You can go read this every week. If for some reason you missed the show, you missed the podcast, want to know who Ian's talking about Twitter it's deleted from your phone right the wife is like no more Twitter get off of it you can go to PFF and you can read his article who are we looking at this week Ian? yeah just so everyone knows we need sub five percent ownership can't have a top five price tag we're looking for 100 yards and two total touchdowns so there have been 25 helicopters this season from running backs wide receivers and tight ends and again when you factor in the price tags and ownership we are truly trying to, you know, pick the one or two occurrences of the week here that could happen, but that's, what's fun. That's how you got to take down these uh, GPPs. So I like going back to the well with Odell Beckham last week, he was, you know, chalky and he came in on it, but this week we're seeing him fly on the radar a little bit, you know, sitting there 6,400 and 
yeah, you know, I, I said on the uh, PFF Fantasy Football podcast this week, I think selling high in him is appropriate because he's going to be more of a boomer bust wide receiver this year. They're using him the kind of the same way Stefan Diggs was last year as more of a field stretcher. Only Adam Thielen has a higher uh, percentage of their team's air yards uh, through four weeks. So it's, uh, you know, fantasy friendly opportunities, even if they're not all that many uh, opportunities. And we're seeing a career high, a uh, 16 yard average target death uh, through these four weeks. But I just think, and I think you might've called the Colts uh, fraudulent before. And I agree with you, particularly on defense. Like, okay, they're good, but they are not the single best pass defense in the league right now. Xavier Rhodes is PFF's number three cornerback through four weeks. That is not going to hold. This dude was Rhodes wide open for the entire season last year. You know, credit to them for getting some, you know, fairly easy matchups along the way. But like, we've only seen Allen Robinson, who had over 100 yards in the score, Darnell Mooney and Adam Thielen. Those are the only guys that have even had more than five targets uh, against this defense this season at the wide receiver position. So while they played well so far, I don't think they've been tested by a true talent like OBJ. I think he can, again, uh, make the most out of, you know, potentially limited targets. I also like Mark Andrews, again, pending on this kind of injury that popped up uh, out of nowhere. But you look at those big four tight ends, and I agree with you, you need one of them. And Andrews is kind of coming in under the radar, probably because he doesn't have quite the same, uh, you know, target ceiling as the other guys. But maybe Lamar, you know, with this knee that I, I don't think is much, but maybe they do decide to pass the ball a little bit more. It's a matchup he smashed in last year. And again, while the Bengals secondary doesn't suck, we know Lamar is throwing to Andrews and Hollywood and they can both make the most out of that production. So in a situation where Andrews is a little bit more under-owned than I think we would usually expect, I don't even hate putting him in the flex spot. I mean, he plays receiver more or less for them, 60% snaps in the slaughter out wide. Uh, don't be afraid to treat him as such. Uh, yeah, Antonio Gibson, man, I'm right there with you. He is $5,000 right now. Like the second he gets this role that we know is on the table for him, he's going to be, you know, at least a thousand, if not $2,000 uh, more expensive. Going in this year, my opinion on Gibson was, okay, hopefully he carves out this, you know, scat back roll gets five to 10 carries per game and hopefully another five targets he has already overtaken the early down roll from Peyton Barber and Bryce Love's on IR right now so it's just a matter of when not if JD McKissick's you know stranglehold on this starting job and targets uh evaporates so Gibson looked great last week and we get to a situation where the uh you know Rams they're not a pushover but Miles Sanders had 131 total yards uh Zeke had 127 Singletary had 121 when you get these running backs with 20 plus touches per game you got to just fire them up pretty much regardless of the defense and that is what Gibson is looking like and then finally I like uh, Devontae Parker at a uh, 6400 kind of same range as OBJ and they're just going a little bit on the radar Fitzpatrick man like he it's it's the cries for Tua seem like they're louder mm -hmm. than ever right now I think we're gonna see him get back to being the kind of DJF gunslinger that we, we know and love. Uh, right now, only Drew Brees and Daniel Jones have a lower deep ball rate than Fitz. It's been very weird. I don't think that's going to stick here moving forward. And Devontae Parker, despite all this, easily the number one wide receiver. I mean, this was the concern going into this year, wondering about Preston Williams or Jasicki even overtaking him. Hasn't been done at all. You know, continues to play almost every single snap, run almost every single route. And, you know, facing the 49ers, and to their credit, they continue to play well despite all these injuries across the line and in the secondary. But, you know, you look at the teams they've been playing, uh, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, the only quarterbacks they've had to face this season. I'm not saying Fitzpatrick is necessarily going to put up better numbers than those guys, but I still Still think this is a secondary that can be exploited. We just haven't seen it happen uh, quite yet. You know, seeing CeeDee Lamb, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson getting uh, more of the ownership in that range. I like taking a shot on Parker and OBJ. Uh, I'll say uh, if Fitz falls flat, I think you're going to see two probably next week. So, or Fitz is going to run for this week and then maybe three more. So they play the Broncos, the Chargers, and then the Rams after this game. After that Rams game, it's the Cardinals, Jets, Jets, Bengals. 
right? So that's like a perfect time to get Tua yeah. in some confidence. This could be Fitzpatrick's last chance to put tape for this year to be a backup somewhere next year. So I like him to basically come out slanging the football in my exactly. opinion. Because exactly. this, is, this, is, this could be uh, his last game. Uh, so I like that call quite a bit. Uh, all right, we're going to get out of here. As always, guys, if you want to read Ian's stuff, get over to PFF. And a, a hat tip to Ian, uh, his podcast on PFF is quickly becoming one of my must-to listens on the week. You can find that. Uh, PFF, search it in the app, uh, the podcast store. You'll find that. You can read his article, uh, Mismatch Manifesto. You need the Edge subscription over there. And if you want to read his helicopter targets for free, that is still available on PFF, along with a bajillion other things that PFF has to offer over there. Uh, Ian, it's been fun. Uh, I'll see you next week, buddy. Thanks to everybody for watching, listening, downloading, streaming, whatever it is you're doing. We appreciate it here at Roto Grinders. I'm Britt, and we out, you